There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, thank you for tuning into the podcast. We'd like to let you know that uh, coming up this coming Sunday, six days from now, we'll be in Oxford, North Carolina. We'll begin a uh, meeting through Friday. And it's the Grace Baptist Church of Oxford, North Carolina, the second church I preached in. We went to evangelism a little over 15 years ago. And uh, Pastor Cecil Newton has been a friend of this ministry, a friend of this preacher. And so we're going to have a winter revival. And that's something we've not done at Grace in quite a few years. Usually we have a spring or summer revival. But this year we're going to have a winter revival at the Grace Baptist Church. So if you're in the Oxford area, somewhere in North Carolina, Southern Virginia, we'd love to have you be a part of the services. We just want to make that announcement for those of you interested. We would also like to let some of you know that uh, we will not always be recording um, our special podcast. There will be times, as we did last week, we're on the road, we're busy, uh, we are involved in meeting, and of course raising children. Soon, Lord willing, to be three children on the road. We don't always have time to do a unique podcast. I'll be having some other men fill in, as we've done the last two weeks. And there may be times I'll take a pre-recorded message and have to use that for the podcast. And so just to let everyone know that listens, tunes in, I don't always expect there to be something uh, specifically for that week. But as much as we can, we'll sit here behind the microphone and we'll do the podcast to the best of our ability for the glory of God, to the furtherance of the gospel in Jesus Christ. One of the things that is very difficult, a lot of folks have trouble understanding if you've never done this, uh, many years ago I was in the radio ministry, and again, I preached on radio stations all over this country, but I was on the radio station twice a week for several years. One of the most difficult things is to sit here behind a microphone and stare at a computer screen and look at the Word of God and to preach uh, when you're used to preaching to a live congregation. It's a totally different experience, and so uh, I'm not looking for professionalism. Listen, I don't get up here and try to have a bunch of hype and over-exuberance and excitement, nor do I sit here and try to be formal and dead in my response and try to be uh, a man that's not my character or my personality. No, I just want to be myself behind the microphone. So sometimes we'll joke, sometimes we'll cut up, sometimes we'll get real serious. There might be time the Spirit of God will move upon us, and we'll hear that rejoicing come through. And so I just want you to pray for us. Pray for our travel as we'll be heading out is coming week to Oxford, and pray for the broadcast, if you would. Let other folks know about the broadcast. Uh, we've increased viewership, and of course, when Brother Ronnie Skolton was on, he had notified family and others through Facebook, and we had quite a few downloads of the Ronnie Skolton podcast, and Brother Maury was with us Friday. We had quite a few extra downloads that we normally don't have, and so we're thankful for those men being a part of this ministry. We ended up going two weeks or so in New York. I preached about a dozen times, and then others preached as well on Sundays and different services. And so we thank the Lord for the work that was accomplished there, for the work that he did in the hearts and lives of people. And we're looking for God to continue that work, the things that he started in men's hearts, but long for God to work 
bring salvation to many stirring hearts that continue to use the church in Black Creek, New York. So we're certainly thankful for that opportunity that we had. We'll begin today in Psalm 11. We'll be in Psalm 11, Psalm 12 for several days this week, Lord willing. And uh, later on, we're going to look at God's face and how God hides his face, but also how God delivers his, uh, his own by revealing himself through his face. And we'll see the eyes of the Lord. In Psalm 11, we'll read it in its entirety. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous. But the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest this shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. And so we see as David begins to write in this psalm, he says, In the Lord put I my trust. How very timely uh, this message is on trusting in the Lord after Brother Maury's podcast on Friday. If you've not heard that, I would certainly encourage you to go back and listen to his podcast. Two of the things that Brother Maury has in his ministry that God has given him early on that he has stuck with, there's two main things that he deals with. One is being made free and being set free. But he also mentioned this matter, which is a big thrust in his ministry, is how can you trust someone in whom you don't believe? You see, God saves every repentant sinner that believes the gospel. And you can't trust someone you don't believe in. You say, I trust in the Lord. If you don't believe the word of God and don't believe uh, in the scripture, how can you trust that which you don't believe? But we see a trust is an absolute. It's an absolute bond. I have to be careful. I have a little boy. Some of you may not know me that well. We have a little boy that's uh, going on two years old. In fact, in a week, he'll be two years old. And he trusts his daddy. You know why? He believes in his daddy. And so he does things out of trust that an ordinary human being wouldn't dare take a chance on. And as he gains weight, he's going to find himself in great risk in trusting his daddy because his daddy can't always catch this huge bundle of fat that comes bouncing down the stairs and leaps into his daddy's arms. That's a compliment to my son. The righteous shall wax fat. And so we see that when he says that in the Lord put I my trust, it's because he believes God. And here as David writes this psalm, he believes the word of God and he is trusting in whom he's believed. And he says, how say ye to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. And again, we see that trust in the soul. We see as you and I would flee to that refuge, which is Jesus Christ. He's speaking of his soul can flee as a bird to that mountain. It's a shelter. It's a safe place. It's a rock. It's a place that God has prepared for those that love him. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. Now, again, We've been talking about Messianic Psalms for the last several weeks on the podcast, and we see here one of those key words we'll see in Messianic Psalms, that Psalms concerning the coming Messiah. That's where David or the other psalmists step out of their role as just a mere man, and they speak as they're moved by the Holy Ghost in all of the scripture, but now they become a prophet because the word of God 
coming to them by the Holy Ghost is prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And this is one of those key words. It is the matter of bending their bow, making ready their arrow upon the string, that they may prevalently shoot at the upright in heart. And again, we see the arrows of the wicked. Now we see again in the Word of God in the New Test, we see the fiery darts of the wicked. And so again, the arrow, the darts, very similar, different applications, certainly a different device. But yet we see the wicked are trying to destroy those that love God, those that are upright in heart. And so the wicked have compassed us about, they bend their bow, they make ready their arrow up on the, on the string. Why? They can shoot at the upright in heart. And that's why we must guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The wicked would destroy our heart. Why? Because they want to destroy our relationship with the Lord. They want to, our hearts to be corrupted by sin. We want our hearts to be corrupted by the things that afflict other men like themselves. They don't like the righteous. They have no love for the righteous. And in fact, they abhor the righteous. There's many things that we do in righteousness that they would say are abomination because of the righteousness of God. And then in verse 3, it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So again, this is the same concept. The righteous are guarding the foundations. They're built upon a foundation. They're built upon the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And so because of that firm foundation that God has built us on, the righteous, or the unrighteous rather, are trying to destroy that foundation. And they're trying to destroy it, to tear down the foundation, to expose the earth, because they know that any building built upon the sand, Jesus Christ illustrates that well, is going to fall, it's going to collapse. And so how do you get that building to fall? You destroy the foundation. And they're trying to destroy the foundations. I've heard many a message in my life since I've been saved now, almost 25 years. I've heard men preach on different foundations and how those foundations have been laid by those that have gone before us. But can I say to you, there's a lot of man-made foundations that need to be destroyed. And might I say, there's times that God is going to tear us down as believers. He's going to remove all the man-made things that we've built up and all the ideals that we've built up and all the personality things that we've built up. And God is going to do that for the purpose of exposing the foundation that we're built on. And when you find out your foundation is a rock, you find your foundation is in Jesus Christ, you find your foundation is upon the solid ground that is the word of God, then you'll have a hope. And I know in my own life, there's times that God has destroyed the buildings I've built and the buildings that other men have built. But if the foundation is not man-made, if the foundation is built on Jesus Christ and the Word of God, that foundation will stand. And that's why he said, if the foundations be destroyed, if the Word of God is snatched away, the Word of God is destroyed, which it will never be destroyed. But if it were to be destroyed, and how does the devil destroy that? He convinces men it's not the Word of God. He convinces men the King James Bible is not the Word of God. It would say it's limited in power or it's limited in authority. And he convinces men they don't need that. Hey, any old book will do, any old version will do, any old parchment will do. And the foundations are being destroyed because men in their souls have not guarded their hearts and therefore the Word of God is removed from their heart by denying that it's the Word of God. And if that foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? There's nothing the righteous can do if that foundation is taken away, which is Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold 
his eyelids try the children of men. Now, this is something we're going to come back to in tomorrow's broadcast, but I want to look tomorrow with the Lord's help, and so I'll just gloss it right now. I pray that you can tune in tomorrow, download tomorrow's podcast when it comes up 4 o'clock every morning, uh, Monday through Friday. We have a podcast available for upload. But he says this, his eyes behold, and it is a comma, delineation point, his eyelids try the children of men. And then to verse 7 of our text, the word of God says, his countenance doth behold the upright. And so we're going to look at the face of God. We're looking when God turns his face away from man. Then we're looking when God turns his face back to man. We're looking at the countenance of the Lord and how the Lord beholds us with his eyes. The Lord trieth the righteous, verse 5 of Psalm 11, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. And so the Lord trieth the righteous. What does that mean? He's going to judge us. Yes, he is judging us because he's trying us. But why is he trying us? He wants to see what we're made of. He wants to see what is in us. He wants to not only see, but he wants to show us what we are, why we are. And he does that by trying the righteous. But see, he doesn't try the righteous. His soul hateth the righteous. They're damned already. They're condemned already. The unrighteous have turned against God and have defiled God and have cursed God. And many have said in their heart, there is no God. And the word of God says, in him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Therefore, in verse 6, the word of God tells us, upon the wicked, he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. So every wicked man and every man that loveth violence, and that's an ongoing tense, that's a continual tense, not a one-time act, they continually love violence. And by the way, let me just say this as we talk about this loving violence. America is a nation that has grown to love violence. It's on every street corner. It's in every home. It's in every bar. It's in every sports club. It's in every sport. People watch, they want to see the fights, they want to see the violence. Our top sports are bloodshedding sports and bloodletting sports. There's games where adults uh, beat each other to a bloody pulp, or in a day now where men will watch women fight and the gore and the blood. And they'll watch women boxing and kickboxing and wrestling and gouging each other. Why? Because we're bloodthirsty. We're a nation that loveth violence. And might I say the child of God ought never love that kind of violence. Child of God ought never uh, be so in tune of watching people hurt and people wounded and then watching the, the onset of violence in the community and turn the blind eye to it, as so many neighborhoods and so many communities in our nation have done. The liberal mindset and the liberal in the sense of religious liberalities even. It says, well, let men be men. Let men do what they want to do. Let men prove themselves. But a lawless generation is a destructive generation. The downfall of America will be her lawlessness, that iniquity against God. And God's going to give them a portion of their cup. It's going to be snares, fire and brimstone. And in horrible tempests, has God not already shown us in years past that he will rain fire and brimstone upon the wicked? Has God not already shown us he will destroy them with an horrible tempest? Has God not already proved to us he will pour out his wrath upon the evildoers of this day and the evildoers of yesteryear and the evildoers of that day which is to come? But the word of God then says in verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. He abhorreth evil. He despises wickedness. 
The word of God says, he that loveth violence, his soul hateth. The soul of God hateth him that loveth violence, yet he sent his son to die for him. He sent his son to die for the violent offender. He gave his only begotten son to die for the sins of the whole world. And so that's the great God of heaven whose soul hateth violence, but the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. I want to be a doer of righteousness. My desire is to be a doer of righteousness. I want God's face to shine upon me. I want the power of God in my life, and not for unwieldy gain, not for uh, some kind of foolish promotion, not just to say we have the power of God. No, I want to reside my life in the presence and the power of Almighty God, close to the heart of God, an obedient son, an obedient servant. He said, his countenance doth behold the upright. And so God takes notice of the upright. God is looking at the upright in heart. The great God of heaven is very concerned about his own. He's concerned about those that are upright in heart. This is Psalm chapter 11. Tomorrow, with the Lord's help, we'll again look at Psalm 11, and we'll look at the eyelids, the eyes, and the countenance of God. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website. Or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. There only was now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing.